Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In this episode, my guest talks about sales coaching and why sales coaching is so important. In training within a month, 87% of the skill is lost. And so coaching enables the sales leader not only to change what they do and how they do it, but also to better transfer the behaviours, the positive behaviours to their team. So there's lots you're going to learn about the alchemy of communication and personal development from this guest. With a background in selling to large corporates of IT solutions, my next guest qualified as an NLP life coach, a clinical hypnotherapist and an EFT practitioner. She is a mentor, speaker and songwriter and founder of Orate Limited. She believes that we must focus on nurturing salespeople and coaching effectively for sales success. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Jacqueline Norton, or Jack, as we like to call our, our, our friendly conversation that we're going to have now. And thank you for having me, Janice. <laughs> so there's something I, what I saw on your website, and I wanted to kind of ask you about that. And it's like, people buy people. So why are we ignoring people? And I think this is the kind of core of, of what you, you do. So explain that to me. Why are we ignoring people? So the people I'm referring to are, are the sales team. You know, um, it's my history. My whole history has been in B2B sales. And, um, and typically, you know, in any transformation project, you've got three main ingredients. You've got the technology, you've got the process, and you've got the people. And what we find within the sales uh, ecosystem at the moment is there is a huge amount um, of focus on the technology and the process. And when it comes to the people, we usually train them on the technology and the process. And it's my view that sort of since I've um, included coaching into what I do um, over the last few years as well, that um, there is definitely a need within the sales team and the sales community for more, more um, coaching that's scalable. And, you know, we don't just assume people know how to be in front of a client or just train them. And the stat recently is 87% of knowledge that's trained in a, in a training course is lost within a month. So it's, it's about, you know, how do we nurture our people? How do we nourish our people on an ongoing basis, not just with knowledge and not just with, you know, how do you fill out the CRM or how do you manage the, you know, 10 applications that we've got in the tech stack, but how do we actually help our people to feel good about what they're doing, bearing in mind their mental health and all of the things that have, you know, come to the fore more recently um, and help them to be better in front of the client because that 
that time is really precious and we don't want to um, miss opportunities. It's really interesting because I was I was looking at your your background and you were a, a sales director for many years and then moved to um, uh, De- De- Deloitte as a, a campaign I think campaign strategist strategist. How did when did your coaching your awareness of the importance of coaching coming come in was that when you were you know working in, in software directive of, of sales with a team was it at that point or was it in your your work that you did as a campaign strategist so the catalyst for the change um in stepping back from direct sales at that point was totally different from that it was a health issue um i was very stressed i was burned out um i was really struggling but what i didn't know until after i joined in fact i'd, I'd been at deloitte for a week when i um realized i was ill again and i'd previously had uh breast cancer in 2010 um and then i went straight back into the really stressful roles just really stressful lifestyles didn't really learn much and then um I was sick again, but I only realised that about a week after joining Deloitte. So the change was was kind of to help me with cope with my health uh, situation and try and de-stress a lot of my uh, my world. But then it kind of really came to the fore again. But in taking that role and becoming a campaign strategist, you know, coaching very senior audit teams, um, non-salespeople, how to sell in front of very senior audit committees and clients brought in some coaching elements that I'd previously learned for myself in how to cope with what I needed and then bringing that into what I was doing in my role there just seemed to be a natural synergy there of you know we we always say people buy from people are with uh, with people that we're trying to sell to or help to buy from us you know is is often left to individual talent and you know how we learn you know maybe the hard way rather than help people to become more self-aware etc so so the transition for me was a very personal one and and those tools really really helped me and I looked back on my career and saw how I could have been helped you know more to be um, uh, less stressed and more um, balanced in, in the way I did my my jobs. It's interesting. It's often a personal experience that um, a trigger for a real kind of change in perspective around what what you're doing, um, what we're all all doing. So um, thank you uh, for sharing that. There's something else that I uh, wanted to ask you about because I thought it was beautiful and it really made me think, made me stop in my tracks. And you said that it's the embodiment of one of the four ways of knowing. Accord, mm. And this is according to in, in Indigenous people uh, of the Americas. And mm. uh, mental logic, heart, emotion, intuition, spirit, and body embodiment. Can you talk to us more about that? So in my sort of meanderings uh, for, for healing, I, I, I looked into lots of different modalities and lots of different uh, ways of, of being. And, um, and those investigations were deep. Uh, and this was something that came uh, um, to me through, you know, some of those investigations. And I thought it was really a great way of explaining how you can have head knowledge. You know, we can learn something and know it in our head, uh, mentally understand it. But often we don't do it or we don't apply it. 
or we don't, you know, kind of recognise it in ourselves. And the the deepest level of knowing is embodiment, you know, learning through experience and that experiential way of learning and doing something, practising it and then feeling it in our bones, in our body, you know, is is when we really have learned something and then we can apply it practically. And I think that struck me too as being really interesting because, you know, some of the other ways are, you know, when you get people who are really talented just automatically can do something it's it's intuitive and that's something that often you know it, it can be developed it's um it's often you you know some people have a may have a head start in it but you can develop that intuition and then emotionally as well and just sort of you know being able to have that emotional intelligence and and understand how people are feeling put yourself in their shoes so there's all these different ways of uh understanding a situation and really being and a lot of what i talk about is um, being and doing so f- fundamentally we're human beings not human doings and you know we always focus on what you're doing and and a lot of the time it's the way we show up when we're in front of a client or a prospect or in a team you know the energy we bring you know is how we be not you know we might not be doing anything we're just sat there and sometimes people can feel your energy before you enter the room which is a bit spooky Mm-hmm. But it's all very um, explainable and you can improve those and sharpen those skills. So I think, you know, to understand that at a deeper level is is really about um, understanding ourselves first and, and becoming more self-aware. Oh, there's so many things I want to uh, un- unpack <laughs> there. So many thoughts I've had. I'm trying to pick which one. First, I, I mean, my um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So my thought is, is the kind of mental, heart, intuition, body, is that the the um, like the levels? So you need to mentally, logically know something, understand something. Then you can take it into your emotion, heart. You can feel it. And is is that the or does it jump around to to different things? So we're always taught in terms of linear thinking, you know, that it's logic. One thing follows another. It's a process. But this is more um, akin to, to what it actually is, the ancient um, medicine wheel. So it's a circle. Oh. So your insertion point can be at any point, any anywhere on those, you know, different talents or, or um, attributes uh, or ways of being. Um, and we, we tend to grow and, and develop in cycles. So we can be at different levels of of consciousness. You know, the awareness you have now is far deeper than the awareness you had 10 years ago or even as a child. So developing that awareness, you know, is something that is is constant. Some people do it more quickly than others and some people maybe stay stuck at some levels and then move on or not, uh, never, never learn. But, you know, hopefully we're always on this evolution journey. So rather than it being a hierarchy, it's more of a cyclical, you know, we tend to think that, you know, our behaviours are in patterns and we see things coming around again. And if we've not learned from certain lessons, they tend to keep coming up. So, yeah, it's it's just a different way of thinking about it. That's it's actually far more feminine than masculine. Um masculine is all about logic and reason and action and what do we do and the feminine attributes are more about how do we be 
you know, listening, receiving, um, really being with someone rather than having to solve the problem all of the time. And it's about the balance between them. So th this is why I find this really interesting. And I'm glad you've brought it uh, around to the kind of feminine energies and masculine energies. And, and certainly the way that I, th I see cells evolving, when it's moving away from those masculine energies and what we all think of, of traditional selling, more to the, the listening. And uh, during the pandemic, um, well, there was this, empathy like we shouldn't be em empathetic before but you know you've got in cells you've got to empathize but it's very much feminine energy so I think it's really interesting that this is the embodiment of knowing cells is about the transfer of that experience and, and knowledge and the communication and emotion is what human beings make decisions on and then they justify with their their logical beings so mm. it's really understanding that as a salesperson how you need to be now is very different to how you were doing yeah. 10 years ago uh, what would you say to that so the first thing about the masculine feminine thing is nothing to do with gender or gender identity it's we all have masculine and feminine energy within us uh, whether we acknowledge it or not. So um, the ability to choose, is this a moment to be more leaning back? We're always told to lean in, aren't we? I feel like sometimes you really have to lean back and let the other person tell us how, how things are for them. So instead of, you know, if, if we think about the old way of being, I'm sat across a desk from you and I'm, I'm, I'm pitching to you, I'm telling you, I'm doing something to you, which may or may not be welcome. And this way is more, I'm sitting beside you and together we're trying to solve a problem. We're trying to explore what, you know, what the options are, what are your considerations? And so for me, it's more like you're guiding somebody through that thought process and their internal considerations, whether that's within themselves or within their organisation. It might be political considerations. It might be budgetary. All the things that we're told to qualify, you know, um, it's about how we do that, you know, rather than trying to get the data. It's trying to be in those those shoes of those people that are in the, in the decision process. And that obviously now it's not just one person, it's many. So it, it becomes far more a, you know, an understanding of the landscape that we're working in rather than, you know, I'm just going to take them out and play golf or, you know, take them for a beer or all of that sort of old school selling which we know has died now it's, it's not relevant really interesting so what practical strategy would you offer to enable buyers to buy by this kind of sitting back le rather than leaning forward and telling listening standing back uh, and, and listening what would you say is a, a strategy to enable um sellers to do this better you remember we were always taught to always be closing abc so for me that that's changed massively. Um, a lot of people hold a lot of store by that. For, for me, it's about always be curious. So if we're always trying to understand and, and, and understand we're in a timeline, things change. And whatever was the reality yesterday or this morning may not be the reality tomorrow. So always be qualifying, I think, is, is another way of expressing that, you know, and, and understanding that, you know, the, the demands to update all the data that we have, 
you know, is is important. You know, I'm not saying we don't need all of that. We do. We we need better ways of organising our time, our effort, our the, the information and, and the needs of the business to have reports that are reliable and forecasting that the business can rely on for delivering what they need to. And the ability for the salesperson to really be with the, the buyers to help them go through their process. Because our selling process is never the same as the buying. So we have to be the, the bridge, really, uh, between those two points and understand what our business needs and understand what the client or the prospect's business needs so that we can always be understanding what's the latest movement in that. You know, what how, how do we anticipate what might change? You know, how do we stand in their shoes? So this this, for me, is more of a feminine quality that we can employ and, and dial up so that we really develop our emotional intelligence and, and almost, um, well, not just ask the questions to find the, the answer, but sometimes the, the, the prospect doesn't know the answer to certain things. And we have to understand almost what's not being said as much as what is being said. So it, it is about developing that sixth sense, that emotional intelligence so that we can, um, you know, really navigate the, the complexities of the buying process. I love that. Always be curious. That's a good mm. one. So um, talking about the um, being present and the, the buyers and sellers and looking at the environment. So looking at the environment of the B2B sales industry, let's talk about diversity and whether you feel in your experience, it has progressed or not? What needs to be done? What do you see? I think there is a much wider acceptance that diversity is a good thing. Um, women are not just tolerated anymore. People of different races and backgrounds are not just tolerated or used to make up the numbers, which, let's face it, that has been the case in the past. And I think we're not quite there yet in terms of celebrating those differences. And in terms of curiosity, you know, what is your perspective on that Janice you know what what do you think about this with your you know experience and how do I come to really understand that and value that from a, that's really interesting I hadn't ever thought of it that way and yeah. if we were much more like that in terms of receiving your experience as a you know a person that's different from me potentially then you know we'll we'll all we'll not only build better business businesses we'll build better societies because that's what's sadly lacking, you know, that, you know, um, we've gone from tolerance, how basic is that, right? Um, hopefully to acceptance, but eventually celebrating that, making sure we truly value it. And I just don't, we're, we're, we're getting there, but we're not there, we're a long way from it. I thought it was really interesting you said about environments um, need a, to create a safe place for people to grow and feel feel nurtured and, in, and included inclusive environments are more important than than diverse env environments because what's happened in the past as you've just said it's a numbers game you just get someone in to fill the numbers but the environment doesn't change so there's still that hostility and barriers um, that they don't leave, they don't stay any anyway so I loved what you said about the creating a space we've got to recognize that we all contribute to that space and whether that space is safe 
from an emotional point of view and a psychological point of view for each and every one of us. You know, how people feel, you know, may not be how they show their feelings. Um, and people will only show how they feel when they do feel safe. And there's only one way of making them feel safe. Actually be safe. Right. So it's how, how do we create that environment? And I think, you know, a lot of the work that I'm doing is about um, working with sales leaders to set that tone for the team. You know, are we inadvertently creating a culture of less than safe? Um, demanding certain things like, for example, if I say I've got an open door policy, you can come and see me anytime with anything you want. Great. But if I then knock on your door and go, got a bit of an issue with that, and all all you do is show impatience or frustration or a bit of a you know mood about it, and 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 even worse, bring it up at appraisal time, I am not actually safe. So you know that's quickly going to be felt throughout the whole team. So how we be be as sales leaders and the people who are dominant within the team to you know. Um, create the right environment of emotional safety psychological safety you know stripping out all that old school um behavior that is tantamount to bullying or shaming or you know making people feel less than you know that is um that is what i mean by a safe space so sales leaders we we know that we now know that um coaching um is most effective in developing a team, but you often find that sales leaders have come from an environment where they've been the top seller and then they've got promoted and never have they had to develop the skill of coaching. So now they have a team and they expecting the team to do things the way that they did it to create the success that they foresee. How do you see that, that changing, that dynamic changing? So the first thing you've got to recognise is that the, the, the qualities and skills for coaching are very different from leading the team. However, they can coexist within, within the same person. But, you, you know, when you coach someone, the first thing you need is their permission to be coached. And, you know, having I'm your boss hat on and then trying to coach from that position is not going to work. So understanding and, and, and helping sales leaders to understand what are the personal dynamics about this? This is critical to making people feel safe. You're not going to make people open up if they don't feel safe. It's like you're the person that can sack them. You know, you're the person that can limit their career. So are they actually going to tell you everything that's going on for them? You know, and navigating that is also difficult. You know, the sales leader's got to feel safe within that because they may not want to ask a question to which the answer may be something they don't want to know. So, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, understand how that dynamic works and how to navigate that. And that's something I'm passionate about helping sales leaders do because it is very delicate and you do have to, you know, suddenly, you, you know, you've got to, there's so many skill sets, there's so much technology, so many things that demand, are demands on the time. Now you've got to be a coach. The other thing I'm conscious of is, you know, you can hire a coach but they're only going to be effective as long as they're in contract with your team. Once they leave, it's very easy for those coachy things to fall by the wayside. So it's for me about having supporting the sales leaders so that they can understand that dynamic in coaching, 
but also start to embed behaviours both in themselves and their team, which are about habit changes, behavioural change, um, but doing it safely. So if it's done together, then it's allowed, it's accepted, it's understood, and it can be encouraged and nurtured. And that's what I'm doing with the Communication Alchemy Programme. So, Jack, what would you take with you if you were on a desert island on your own? I thought about this a lot and um, assuming I'd got the essentials for survival, like a knife or a flint or something, um, music would be my item for survival mentally and emotionally. Um, I am a sometime songwriter. Uh, It's one of the things that I needed to do when I was um, getting through my uh, health uh, struggles. A few years ago, I started to write songs and, um, and the outlet for creativity I think is is uh, really important for all of us. You know, we are creators, and um, and for me, the ability to uh, be inspired by music would be uh, my sanity uh, tool. So I've absolutely loved loved talking to you. How can listeners get hold of you? So they can find me on LinkedIn uh, under Jacqueline Norton or under my company name, which is Orate, which is A-U-R-A-T-E, um, which is inspired from the chemical symbol for gold, uh, light, and the, the rate of value. So there's a lot of depth I can go into in that, which we don't have time for. Um, and orate.co.uk is uh, the website. Excellent. So uh, come, come and say hi. I'll put that all in the show notes. Thank Thank you you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast. Jackie Ling or Jack Norton. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, Janice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.